I asked my wife, honey, what do you want for Valentine's Day? And she said to me, quote, I just want Mario Cristobal to hire an offensive coordinator. You are locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Valentine's Day. I'm your host, Alex Dono. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So as the Miami Hurricanes offensive coordinator search continues, plenty to talk about, always plenty to talk about with the Canes. Let's bring on very good friend of the show, the man, the myth, the legend, South Florida high school sports guru, Larry Bluestein. Blue, good morning to you. How are you, sir? You too. Happy uh, Valentine's Day to everybody. Uh, broke out the nice uh, U shirt today, a little long sleeve, a little cool nip in the air. It is cool. Uh, for us in South Florida, 65 is cold. It, yeah. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, you, you step outside, the air is a little nippy and chilly, and it's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful day out there. Uh, so, Blue, you know, you and I, we've spoken the last couple times you've been on this show. We've talked about just how hard it is to recruit offensive players and transfer portal players when you don't have an offensive coaching staff. Um, and obviously an area that Miami missed on some targets, uh, you know, before signing day and thus far in the transfer portal has been wide receiver. Do you think once Miami has that coaching staff settled, you've got, you know, an offensive coordinator and a wide receivers coach, do you think then they're going to start hitting that portal really hard? Because a guy like Gary Bryant, who Miami's still in play for, is still out there. Well, you know, when we take a look at like a Gary Bryant and and players like that, I mean, right now it's kind of relative because you you need to have somebody in place that could uh, pull the strings and somebody, you know, because right now you don't have, you know, we don't have a clue. Uh, who's coming in so you don't have uh, because you got to remember it's so late in the game now with spring football two and a half weeks away uh, you're in a situation where whoever they uh, hire I mean they've got to burn midnight oil every single night because look at all the catching up you just can't come in this system without knowing your roster so even though somebody's you know, uh, wherever they may be right now, they're not studying Miami's roster because of the fact that they are not sure if they're going to take the job. So that's the most important part to understand what, what you have, what you don't. So with that, with, with that in mind, you've got to get in a situation where you're going to have to watch film. You have to spend plenty of time with the, you know, the guy, the coaches and Mario and, and then Mirabal and everybody, and they're going to bring you up to speed as much as they can, because, you don't want to go out and hire new coaches right now because your priority, you know, because that's a relative thing. I mean, you could always bring in a coach in a couple of weeks or next week or whatever, but you've got to evaluate what you have because you have to understand you, what you need to go after. And, and, and then you bring on some coaches because obviously, I mean, they'll keep uh, Kevin Smith and obviously uh, uh, Mirabal, 
but I mean, receiver wise, they're looking, unless you're bringing a quarterback oriented coach, uh, you're going to have to bring a quarterback coach in. Uh, So there's a lot of questions to see who uh, the choice is for the offensive coordinator position. And then I agree with you. I mean, you're going to have to address the issues. I mean, and not just that wide receiver, you know, they're deficient at a, you know, I mean, offensive line right now, they got a lot of young kids coming in. Um, and, and they're building a fortress, which you need to do. Um, and obviously the first part quarterback wise, you know who you have, but that new guy doesn't know who you have. I mean, he knows from just hearing, Oh, Tyler Van Dyke and this and that, but it's the first couple of days are going to be spent orientating yourself with the team, your roster. And, uh, then you go from there and then, uh, then, and I'm sure just like, uh, with, um, uh, Coach Gidry, you know, being added. I mean, he hit the ground running, started to recruit, you know. I mean, so he had a little bit, he had a week, you know, advance on, on you know, on the new offensive coordinator. So he had a chance to put things into perspective. And still, he may add some new coaches. I mean, that's not solidified, yeah. but that's not the important part right now. You got to get that offensive coordinator in. He's got to set what type of offense he's going to run because that's what you wanted to do during the spring. You didn't want to sit there and, and you know, just sit there and, and, and for like a month and, and just try to know each other. You had to start winning positions and you had to start setting the groundwork as everybody does during the spring for the summer. And yeah. Miami's going to be way behind, uh, you know, unless they hurry up and get somebody in there. And no doubt about that. And, you know, uh, through through the weekend, you know, there were so many alleged leaks happening and so many names being reported on and who's interviewing, who's not interviewing. And then, you know, Monday and now into Tuesday, things have gotten very quiet, almost suspiciously quiet blue. It, it, yeah. it almost starts to feel like maybe an announcement could be happening soon. Do you think that's the case? Do you think we're finally going to find something out this week? Well, I, I think you're in a situation where they have no choice. I mean, you know, whoever it's going to be. Are you the next I, coordinator, Larry Bluestein? Huh? Are you the oh, next me? coordinator? Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I could say something. I don't want to get anybody angry. It couldn't be any worse <laughs> than last year. So <laughs> at least I throw the ball around a little bit and I'd use them. But you know what? Here's the thing, too. And, they, and they've got, they had a lot of injuries last year, but everybody has injuries. And that's, that's the difference between Miami being at the level they're now and then the next level. But Mario Cristobal is, and everybody goes, wow, he's waited a long time. Well, there's a lot of factors that everybody don't know. All these people, you know, from the 24 sevens and Gabby and everybody like that, you know, you, you love to have your ear to the ground and, and Mario Cristobal is not telling anybody anything. Believe me, yeah. believe me. So it could come out of, out of left field. Cause everyone is talking about um, Apple white and, and this guy and that guy. And nobody knew Gidry as we talked last week. Nobody even knew he, he wasn't on anybody's list. So I think that's what's going to happen either today or tomorrow. Somebody that is going to be way out of left field that nobody even knew about is going to be brought in. And uh, the, and then we, you're going to have to deal with it and see what happens. Uh, but Mario doesn't want to hire somebody, as you could see, uh, right. just to hire them. 
Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Uh, you know, I, I want to talk about the offensive personnel when we come back. Is Miami's wide receiver group, do they have more potential than I give them credit for? I want to get Larry Bluestein's take on that. And also the challenges for Tyler Van Dyke, who's going to have to learn a third new offense in four years at Miami. Not to mention Kane's hoops. They win again. Five straight dubs for the Canes, man. They, they Within a week, they beat North Carolina and Duke. Uh, I, I'm loving my life amazing. right now. It, it really is amazing. So keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. And guys, I'm always loving my life when I start my day with a built Bar, as I did today with a brownie batter puff. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, you've got to try a built Bar. We got through the holidays into the new year. Our goal for many of us has been to eat healthier this year. You want to eat healthy, but you don't want to compromise taste. Then I've got just the thing for you. You got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious. You're not going to think that they're good for you. They're perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is, yeah, they're healthy. Only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't even need to wait around for a box. For years, we've been telling you about ordering Built Bars at Built.com, which you can still do with our promo code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off. But now... You can also get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today or Sam's Club. Like our listener, Al, buys his built bars at Sam's Club. Grab a 13-bar box with hit flavors like brownie batter and churro. And you can thank me later because I love me some built bars. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Alex Dono joined by Larry Bluestein, South Florida High School Sports, AM560 Sports WQAM does an awesome job on the Sixth Ring Canes show as well. So, Blue, could Miami's wide receiver room heading into next year maybe be a little bit better than I give them credit for with the right coordination, the right play design, hopefully improved wide receiver coaching? Because, you know, I, I look through the actual list, like I feel like there's a lot of untapped potential on that roster like guys who haven't proven it but maybe can prove it this year Colby Young has size and potential he had a couple really good games last year uh Xavier Restrepo we already know is really good Jacoby George you know last year he was plagued by injury and suspension problems Isaiah Horton is young but he's big and tall Rashard Smith we've seen some of what he can do you've got guys like Ray Ray Joseph and Robbie Washington coming in who are some of the players, Blue, from that group do you think can really step up and hopefully have a special year this year? Well, first of all, you mentioned Restrepo. You remember he was out for five games last year, yeah. and that kind of hurt. And in, and while he was, you know, while he doesn't make all the difference in the world, uh, you know, from a, a wide receiver standpoint, his his presence as a slot will always take, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the heat off the outside guys and, and, and probably make a guy like Caleb Young because – you know, here's a guy who came really out of nowhere, and uh, but he has that experience and he's shown. I just think that you know, you got to. I mean, catching the ball is just so paramount. Miami dropped so many balls oh, last year, and yeah. But there's also a continuity problem. A lot of these receivers had three different quarterbacks throwing to him. There was never that one guy, you know, like the year before 
when Tyler took over the job and uh, everybody knew he was going to be the guy and he had that leadership. There was no leadership on offense last year. So, and then all of a sudden you lose every running back. I mean, you were down to a walk on uh, who, who was getting some playing time. So a lot of factors, you have to run the ball. Uh, and then Miami certainly has backs to do that. Uh, you have to block up front uh, and their tight end play. Everything's in place, Alex. It's just that they have to start executing and uh, you know, whether it doesn't matter who's your coordinator, you don't make plays, then you just don't, you know, you don't right. win ball games. And but I look for Caleb Young to step up. He showed Col- last Col- Colby year. Young, by the way. Uh, Col- Colby. I'm yeah. sorry. Colby Young. I keep saying Caleb. There is a Caleb somewhere. But um <laughs> no, Colby Young. Yeah, I like him a lot. Um I felt Redding was a guy that really underachieved because I watched him smart yeah. guy, great hit. I didn't I didn't even mention his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I thought he was one of those guys. Um, George was a disappointment. I think he started being a disappointment in the spring game when he dropped like three quick balls that could have, you know, kind of set the tempo. I know we're not going to judge on what people do in the spring. It's just like spring training. But at the same time, you want to kind of make plays at all times, especially when you're a team trying to get over the hump a little bit. But, but yeah, you know, I mean, the, the new the newcomers obviously would be nice. But I think an important part of this uh, to keep pushing the guys there is to land a Bryant or to get a guy with experience who could come in and, you know, put put a little fire like like Rambo did, uh, you know, two years ago. I mean, he put the fire under everybody because he was a guy who was an established receiver and he came in and he made plays. And uh, that's definitely what has to happen. I, I you know, I'm confident, but. Like, we have to have an offense in place. Are we going to run a little mm-hmm. spread? Are we going to run RPO? What are we going to do? You know, uh, are we going to make this a um, uh, a run-heavy offense, which I know Mario Cristobal would love. I mean, because he's got he's got some big boys up front now and and uh, and, and improving guys. And then and they got a running game. Come on. Yeah. They've got four backs. Uh, yeah. And plus some, a couple of incoming guys. Well, and I want to talk about the incoming guys, Blue, because – uh, you know better than most because you watch all these players coming up through the high school ranks. You know, Miami has four stars. Mark Fletcher from American Heritage coming in. They got Chris Johnson from Dillard coming in. Do you think either or both of these guys uh, are ready enough to be contributors year one? Yeah, but they shouldn't have to be because you look mm-hmm. at Miami's running game and you've got Parrish, uh, hopefully Cheney's back. I mean, he was a Citizen. big, big time, he was a big time get. Uh, yeah. The young man last year, the freshman who was showed so much promise, got hurt early. Yeah, um, Citizen. His name escaped. Tre- Trevante me. Citizen. Yeah, Trevante Citizen. There's three real good backs right there. Three backs that could carry the load where you don't have to use a lot of those young kids. But if they have to, I certainly think that Mark Fletcher is ready for it. And certainly with Chris Johnson's speed, he's always going to be in the mix. He's going to be one of those guys that you get in space, maybe not lying from scrimmage runner right away. But he, to me, uh, reminds me right off the bat of a more of a Lamar Miller, a guy that you could get into space and he could use his speed and uses athleticism because I think you've got your back, your your line from scrimmage running backs. If they can stay healthy, uh, Parrish is really, really good. 
and certainly Parrish. I keep saying to people, I mean, this is a guy that a couple of years ago I thought was the best back that they had by far. I mean, yeah. he's big, he's strong, kid's a seven-foot high jumper, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy, and that's a key. And if he can stay healthy and has a really good year, you know, I mean, he's got a running game. I mean, one of the best in the country if they if they put it all together. Let's talk about quarterbacking for next year. You know, Tyler Van Dyke, QB1, is back, but he is going to be learning his third new offense in four <laughs> years, right? His his first two years at Miami, true freshman, redshirt freshman, were the Rhett Lashley offense. And in Tyler's second year, which is the year he broke out, 2021, looked very comfortable in that offense. Then enter a new offense in 2022, wasn't looking comfortable. Then as soon as he started looking comfortable, he got injured. Uh, now you're going to have his third offensive coordinator in four seasons coming in. How big of a challenge is that, Blue? Because obviously, and I'm not trying to compare the two quarterbacks, but you know, I, I remember going to school with Kyle Wright 20 years ago, and, and he had to deal with, I think, three or four OCs in four years and just never really got off the runway. Kyle Wright had to deal with four OCs in four years and was on his butt 37 times in two years. So uh, he, I think the comparison between Kyle Wright and, and, uh, and uh, TBD uh, are is as good as you can get because two good, really good quarterbacks that cannot get in the flow from an offensive standpoint because their coordinators are not, you know, they're, they're changing. Um, it's going to be, I mean, you have to build whoever, whatever coordinator comes in, you have to have that mindset that you got to build this program around Van Dyke. I mean, come on. I mean, the kid has proven two years ago that he could do this at a high level, so much so that they thought he would be, if he came out the next year, they won a top three, four quarterbacks, you know, in the nation, uh, which he still can be. It's just that he has to, I guess, gain the confidence back in himself. And it was lost last year because of the injury, uh, because of the, you know, the the on and off games that he's had, you know, a good game against AM and then the next week against, you know, Middle Tennessee, not so much, you know, that yeah, whatever. It's just that there's no continuity and there's no consistency. And I I think whoever comes in has to understand. That's why I would love to see a quarterback oriented offensive coordinator. Because then they'll be on the same page and you don't have to have a go through and, you know, because you want to be right there with him, you know, sort of like I, you know, Frank Ponce was the offensive uh, uh, quarterback coach, but he wasn't the coordinator. So his relationship with the quarterbacks was great, but, you know, there was a little uh, break of communication between the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach. That's why if you're a quarterback oriented guy, you come in there and you completely, you're, you're one person. Uh, you know, with, with your quarterback. And I'm not just saying Tyler, but anybody who else, you know, steps up and, and, and then plays the position. Uh, that's why I think it's essential. I mean, it's not vital, but I think it's essential. And that, and that way you have your quarterback, especially because your offensive coordinator is coming in so late in the stage, uh, you know, in the yeah. game. Because if he was here two, three weeks ago, plenty of time. You know, orient himself with the quarterbacks and every other position. Then he gets a quarterback coach, and then all three of them are on the same uh, page. But right now, it's it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be awfully tough. Uh, but thank goodness you have a senior or a, a guy who could be a senior as far as uh, age wise and, and maturity as a quarterback. Because if you had to come in where you had a freshman, uh, you'd be in trouble. 
real trouble. Yeah, and I, I had a, a great conversation about this yesterday, Blue, with Malik Rozier. And, okay. you know, he, he brought up just um, the importance, and it builds on a lot of the stuff you're saying there, but need to have a great line of communication between the next OC and Tyler Van Dyke. And no everything doubt. you said, it would be easier if the OC is also the quarterback's coach because they need to have the type of relationship where, and part of this is on Van Dyke, needs to step up. Uh, he needs to be open, honest about what works for him, what he's comfortable executing yeah. on the field, what he's not comfortable about. And the offensive coordinator needs to listen. Like, we don't need someone who's got this my way or the highway attitude. Like, these are my plays. You've got to run them the way I call them. They, they need to have a great line of communication, Tyler, in the next OC with what he's comfortable running. And they need to build the playbook based on his strengths, not his weaknesses. That non-continuity adds up to five wins every year. And that's it. Yeah. If you don't have that, like you said, you have to have one of those things where the quarterback in between classes goes and hangs out with the OC and, you know, has a, a soda with them and just, you know, kicks things around and maybe watches some film. And I don't think that was in place last year. Like no. And, and that's what I'm saying. And you, you, your court, your offensive coordinator has to be so approachable that he hangs out. He's one of the guys, you know, I mean, obviously he's an authoritative figure, but at the same time, you know, like, uh, you know, you're sitting there on campus and say, I got an hour to kill. I'm going to go over and see coach, you know, and we can hang out and watch some film. That's, you know, grab a sandwich, whatever it is. You got to have that. You have, I mean, you, Bryce Young had that, um, you know, yeah. you look at all the great quarterbacks and, 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 Definitely. Uh, Stetson Bennett had that, um, you know, and that's what needs to be in place in Miami. Uh, you know, that that oh, not uh, that I'm afraid to go see coach. You know, I don't want right. to go in because we're not on the same wavelength and he's, you know, he's higher above. And yeah, I don't want that. And, and I understand that Mario and them, they want I mean, coaches have to be authoritative and they've got to be, you know, what I say kind of, you know, it's things are not up for discussion, but if you get in a relationship as a quarterback with an offensive coordinator who trusts you, trust one another, ideas flow all the time. And the quarterback will say, Hey coach, what if we tried this next week? Cause you, you can see this is open. I don't think that's been there. I don't think that's been there in a long time. Nope. I, I completely agree with you. Uh, it seems like uh, the communication's pretty good with Coach L and his players on the Hoops Ooh. team. we got to talk about their latest victory, beating North Carolina, when we come back right here on Locked on Canes. Folks, I hope you guys have been taking advantage of the newest sports betting partner. We're so happy to have FanDuel on the team with us here now on Locked On. The midway point of the NBA season is here. Now's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers and threes drained. Guys, I love this so much, especially when my Miami Heat are playing. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So do not miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen. Make sure for your second listen, you check out Locked On College Basketball. Andy Patton and Isaac Shade take you around the college hoops landscape in 30 minutes or less. And 
I made a cameo on today's episode. I was on Locked On College Basketball bragging about Kane's hoops beating North Carolina, and I was on with Isaac Shade, who uh, he also hosts Locked On Tar Heels. So I got to I got to rub his <laughs> nose in it a little bit. Blue, five straight wins now for Jim Laranega's team, and uh, I, I feel especially good about these last two road wins, right? Because we know. They're a great home team. They're 14-0 at Watsco Center. But to get that win at Chapel Hill last night, gigantic. Uh, the victory the previous Saturday at Clemson was a really big road win as well. Uh, and, Blue, something that – a couple things I love about this basketball team, and they beat uh, North Carolina 80-72 to last night. I love the fact that if someone like Isaiah Wong is not having his best game or if Norchad Omier is in foul trouble – barely like played in the first night. half like he was last night that you've got someone like Jordan Miller who can step up and you know look like an all-star out there and I know coach Ellis said you know Jordan Miller maybe the most underrated player in college basketball uh he had 24 freaking points last night Nigel Pack was big last night I, I love that like it, it's truly a team effort because if some of your most important players aren't at their best someone else is going to step up on this team you know, usually Seth Greenberg, who used to coach at Miami at one time, usually is not ultra complimenting and complimentary of, of the University of Miami. But he said something last night. He says, you know, when you look at Miami, they're capable of beating anybody in the country, yeah. anybody in the country at any time. And he said this is where they line up that – is so small yeah. comparatively to, to an Alabama or to a Purdue or to, to the upper echelon teams. But what happens is they have more athletes than almost anybody in the country on that. And you mentioned, I mean, you look at Isaiah Wong or Nigel Pack or any of those guys like that, they're all athletic. And, and, and that's the thing. They leap out the building where they may, you know, they're not going to get a lot of uh, points in the paint. They're just not a team right. like that because they're just not big. I mean, that's just the way it is. But you've seen athletic teams like this flourish. And I think what happens, and you pointed out, you know how, how hard it is to win in the ACC, let alone win on the road? I mean, at a place like Clemson or a place like Chapel Hill. I mean, come on. And, and you know, people are criticizing them for losing to Pitt. But Pitt's a really yeah. good football, uh, basketball yeah. team. Plus, Miami lost by a few points, and that's the thing I'm saying. They're in every single game. There's no blowouts. They're too athletic. Coach L is having more fun now than he's ever had in his coaching career. He's on the same level. Man's in his 70s. You know, and people mm -hmm. are looking and say, oh, well, you know, come on. This guy is, you know, he's got the fountain of youth. He's, you know, he's, he's hip with what, what the kids are doing these days. They love playing for him. I mean, he's a demanding guy, but at the same time, Alex, look at he's done. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't think there's a story in college basketball like what's happening in Coral Gables. Yeah, and by the way, you hit the nail on the head when you talked about how they're able to beat these teams despite not having the size. Because you know, oftentimes the the biggest player in a Miami uniform is a six foot seven Norchad Omir, and this guy's yeah. going against seven footers, no problem. He's out leaping yeah. people. Miami's working hard on the boards because they've got the athletes. I, I think that's so good, and it's not only athleticism, blue. It's also 
discipline because they're always in the right places. And defensively, they always keep their man in front of them. So, yeah. I'm it's like the I'm Shane Larkins team. This is yeah. what this is like. This is yeah. a lot like that team. And uh, with, I, with more athletes, this yeah. is – I mean, he's done such a great job of bringing kids in here. And, you know, obviously Pac is just, I mean, he, what an addition. I mean, you know, I mean, a guy, you know, he's small, but at the same time, he's very elusive and uh, he creates and yeah, people are having fun. And when they have home games, this is the first time and you're a UM graduate. I don't ever remember it being like this. It's a small place, but at the same time, it kind of sends me back to when I went to college at UNLV. They never, when I was there, they didn't play at the Thomas and Mack Center. They played on the convention center, which was 7,100 seats. And that's what this reminds me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. now you can't even get a seat in the, in the place. And remember when Coach L first arrived, that was his big thing. We've got to sell. We've got to sell the students. Got to sell the students. And, you know, and you, and you talk about a Miller. Miller's going around the other day on, on social media, he, uh, and they're interviewing students. He's interviewing students, you know, for uh, and, and asking them, what do you think about the team and how do you feel about our win the other night? That never happened before. I mean, Miami's yeah. been, and you went there, so you know it's it's not really a, a college like that. But now it's right. turning into me. Yeah, I, I remember. You know, I was I was at I was enrolled at Miami. Like I think my second year was when the Watsco Center, whatever it was called back then, first opened, and it was obviously awesome to have the on-campus arena. But and I went to almost every game. Most games you go to, you know, the crowds weren't that great, except when Duke was in town. When Duke was in town, you'd have to wait in line four hours as a student, like okay. to make sure you got a seat. But that was like the only time, and the building wasn't usually full. But now you're right, Blue. It's like, you know, it, it, it's like imagine it's a, a Miami, it's like a Miami Heat crowd, except people actually show up on time. But it's like yeah. that that sort of yeah. thing where it's actually looks sold out. For most yeah, every I, conference game, the, and and the thing is, is the is the student body, which yeah, never really yeah. happened, is getting involved to the point where they can't wait. You know, they can't wait for the game, and they plan their whole day about you know around going to the game. That never happened before. Yeah, no, no doubt. Well, listen, awesome times as always with Larry Bluestein. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Larry Bluestein. Follow our show at Locked On Canes, and we'll talk to you guys again next time on another episode of Locked On Canes, part of the awesome Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.